Thank you for listening in today to our Monday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we will be continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. It's amazing how when you preach Jesus, when you talk to someone about the Lord and, and when you're sharing with them, that when they receive them, what a, what a wonderful aroma that is. But to someone who wants to remain in the rebellious state, it becomes a stench to them, a stench of death, because that's exactly what's going to happen if they don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of Jesus on your behalf will either be the greatest blessing ever for all of eternity, or it's going to be the greatest witness of judgment against you, one of the two. And so if you submit, surrender to God, it could be a blessing. If you refuse his voice, man, it's going to be a curse. And that's something we all have to decide. And so 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. So seven months this has been going on. Seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. The Philistines, like the Israelites who carried the ark into the battle, uh, thought that they, because they had the ark, they had the Lord. That the Lord was then on their side. Not true. Just like Israel thought, because we have the Lord, because we have the ark of the covenant, he's on our side. We can take him to battle. We can't be defeated. And it became this superstitious thing that they kept God in a box and they could use him whenever they wanted to. And so the Philistines think the same thing, but they didn't have the Lord at all. He had them. He was in control. They were on the defensive. God didn't have a problem, but they sure did. And this reminds me of something here. This reminds me of when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the soldiers come to take him away, um, and they ask, uh, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, I am he. And he says, now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, who do you think's in charge there? You know, we're going to go and take Jesus in captivity. Oh, really? (laughs) Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. And it says, they drew back and fell to the ground. It does not say that they fell backwards. What it means is they drew back, boom, and fell to the ground, which I believe was forward, much like Dagon did. (laughs) And they're worshiping Jesus whether they knew it again. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus Lord. You can either do it um, voluntarily and get blessed, but you're going to do it someday. It's either going to be voluntary worship or it's going to be forced worship. And it's forced worship, man, then you're cursed for all of eternity. But if you do it voluntarily, my goodness, the blessing that will come, the blessing will come. Verse 3 says, so they said, if you send away the ark of God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, what is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? It's interesting that they know of a trespass offering. So what that tells us is that probably uh, uh, many uh, a false worship um, had trespass offerings if you sinned. If you did something wrong and, and your gods are angry with you, there's a trespass offering. Okay, well, what should we offer to our God? 
Well, it's interesting that the most precious thing to a believer is the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is what was supposed to be offered in the trespass offering was a lamb that spoke of Jesus who is to come. And so the most precious thing in, in Israel, whether they knew it at all, it wasn't gold, it wasn't silver, it wasn't any of that stuff. I mean, it might have been in their heart, but God was saying, you don't understand it yet, but the most precious thing to you is a lamb because it's going to speak about the lamb who is to come, which is why John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's nothing more valuable than something that can take away your sin. And so they're looking at this trespass offering. They understand that they have sinned, that God is against them or the God of Israel is against them. So what trespass, what should we offer? What is most valuable to you, which is what? Gold. And so, and it says in verse 4, and they said, what is the trespass offering that we shall return to him? And they answered, five golden tumors, five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for the name, for the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. Therefore, you should make images of your tumors. Oh, that's lovely. Great. You know. And, uh, and your rats that ravage the land, and you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps you will lighten his hand from you and from your gods and from your land. And so here we're told of another judgment or a plague, and it's one of rats. Many ple- people believe that this may be his bubonic plague, which isn't really from the rats. It's really from the fleas that were on the rats, you know. But this is another plague that's on them that could have contributed to their judgment. Um, but whatever judgment is, the, the, the rats, there were obviously a, a, a lot of rats that they hadn't seen before. And so they knew that this was from the Lord, the tumors, the rats, uh, the sickness, the disease. And we're told that this was a time of judgment for seven months. It took them seven months. Verse 6 says, And why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians, and Pharaoh hardened their hearts when he did mighty things among them? Did they not let the people go that they might depart? Wasn't it inevitable because of the uh, ten plagues that came down that God did to Pharaoh? That Pharaoh finally let him go, but it was his hardness of his heart that took him so long and made it so painful. And isn't this interesting that the Philistines know about that history? It's one of the things we went over last week when we were talking about that, um, that the Philistines, according to Amos 9-7 and also in Jeremiah, it talks that they came from the land of Camphor. And Camphor is an area by the Nile, which would be very close to Egypt. So they were neighbors, or they were part of the Egyptians, but they were called something else, and they became their own people, and that's how they came in the land of Canaan. It was not from Crete, and it was not across the sea. It came from the Nile, which is one of the reasons why they understand this history so well. They saw it happen 350 years earlier, and they remember And for some reason, it's being said over and over again, and it's even in their history. And they're saying, we can learn from this. We're being judged by the same God that judged Pharaoh. And yet, look how long it took him before he finally let the people go. He says, let's not be like that. Let's not harden our hearts. We know what we need to do. Let's just go ahead and give this trespass, and let's get this this plague off of us. Let's get it off of us. And so it says in verse 7, Now therefore make a new cart, take two milk cows which have never been yoked, hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home away from them. Okay, now if you know anything about uh, animals, uh, that uh, it's almost impossible to take their young away. 
Uh, it's impossible to separate them. The mother is going to want to go to the calf. The calf is going to want to go to the mother. And then all of a sudden you're going to yoke uh, two uh, moms together, cows, and take away their calves. And you expect for these you know, cows to just kind of waltz into the land of Israel? No way, unless God is involved. Because they're going to want to run back to the barn where their calves are. And so what does it say? Then take the ark of the Lord, set it on a cart. Put the articles of gold which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in the chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. And watch, if it goes up the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know it is not of his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Then the men did so. They took two milk cows, hitched them to a cart, shut up the calves at home. They set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their tumors. And so again, we're going to let them go. And if they find their way to Beshemes, we know it's the Lord. If they end up running back and knocking everything off the cart and, and, and going back to the barn, then we know it's not of the Lord is what they're saying. So the Philistines' lords were counting on that none of these things would happen, that the cows would not be influenced um, by the Hebrew God. But what the Philistines does not know is Isaiah 1.3. And what Isaiah 1.3 says, it says, one, 1, 2, and 3, it says, Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. It says that the, the animals are smart enough to understand that they belong to me. And even though they have calves at home, when you let them go, I can call them home, and they will hear my voice, and they will understand that I am the owner that I am the master. The ox knows its owner. He says, but Israel doesn't. And what he's saying is that the oxen are smarter than Israel, that donkeys are smarter than Israel because they do not worship God. And so he goes on and says here in verse 12 of 1 Samuel 6, then the cows headed straight up for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went and did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. Then the cart came to the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stood there. A large stone was there. So they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. Now, this was mistake number one. It was different when the Philistines were mishandling the Ark of the Covenant. They weren't given the right instructions of how to handle the Ark of the Covenant. The Jews were different. They were told not to carry the Ark on a cart. Specifically, they were told that. They were going to make an offering. It was to be a male, not a female. So here they're going to slaughter these cows, and they're going to give that as a burnt offering to the Lord. It should have been a male. They should always be male. In Luke 12, 48, it says, For everyone who much is given to him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. In Leviticus 1, 3, it says, If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer his own free will at the door of the tabernacle meeting before the Lord. And the cows were not males, obviously, because they took their calves away. Okay. Um, Now, Some of you might not like to hear this, but I'm in the same boat, and I continue to be in the same boat. But the closer you walk with the Lord, 
Um, it's not as though he has less grace and mercy with you. He doesn't. He has tremendous grace and mercy with all of us. Uh, but he, he is uh, a lot, he's going to be a whole lot more exacting in your life than someone else who just started in their walk with the Lord because they don't know as much. Too much is given, much is required. That is why teachers are under a stricter judgment because I'm teaching this, I better know it. And so because of that, it, it's almost like God's leash is a little bit shorter for us. You know, and you start to get off, it's like, boom, red flag. Let me just know right now. I know what you're doing. I know what this, I, I'm not going to be as, as patient with you. You have been given a lot, and because that, a lot is required from you. Yeah, that's my water. And so a lot is required from you. So know that. And you wonder why God might have a, a kind of a, a short reign on your life, and yet you see somebody else doing something, and, and for some reason you don't see that tugging from the Lord. And you're thinking, that's not fair. What's not fair? I want to get to know the Lord. I want to know God's will. I want to know how to do right and what it is he's called me to do. And that is in a much better place to be than someone out there that's just ignorant. God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to draw close to him, to be a greater light for him. And he doesn't want you to tarnish that light. So because of that, when, when it starts to go into that gray area, he's going, huh, no, 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 no. I have called you to be this bright light. I have shown myself greatly to you. And so when it comes to Israel here, he's like saying, huh, you know better than this. This is not what you're supposed to do. Verse 16, so when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Eshkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron. Now know this, that... Um, uh, he's just giving a summary statement here. Once they saw that it went into Beth Shemesh, they left. They didn't stay there and watch them butcher the cows and, and then all of a sudden burn the wood underneath the butchered cows. That would have taken time. They didn't do that. They were waiting until now we know that that's where it belongs and they're going to leave. It gave us a little summary of really quick. And once the people saw it, they gathered around and they grabbed the ark and put it on a rock and as well as the chest of all the, 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 uh, the golden images and, and, and began to you know, break apart the cart and, then, and slaughter the cows. And then that all takes time. It takes a lot of time. And so they were just watching it go into Beth Shemesh. And after that, they could turn around and leave. And then all this other stuff took place later. And that would have taken hours for that, those things to take place with the Israelites. And it says, in the golden rats, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, which is five, belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and country villages, even as far as the large stone of Abel, on which they set the ark of the Lord, which stone remains this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. And so um, this obviously was some very prominent rock. I don't know if that's still around or not. Uh, it would seem to me that uh, it probably is somewhere, that they maybe know where that is. Verse 19, then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord and he struck 50,070 men of the people and the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. The word struck there, again, circle that. Same word as the other times it said struck or smite or And the men of Beth Shemesh said, who is able to stand before the Holy Lord God? You can't. You can't. You can only stand 
before him in the way that was provided for you. And you're not supposed to stand before the Ark of the Covenant without the tabernacle. And you're not supposed to stand before the Ark of the Covenant without it being behind the the Holy of Holies. And here's the thing, you as a normal person who is not a priest and is not a high priest, you shouldn't be standing in front of it at all. Now, granted, when it came to carrying it out, you had to be a Levitical priest. And so Levitical priests have shown up here or are going to show up here and, uh, and handle the ark as they should. But they shouldn't have allowed for this worship to continue with these female cows. And they should have taken it immediately and brought it back to the tabernacle. They need to put it somewhere and carry it the proper way, not on a cart. This is what they should have done. And so the men yell out, who is able to stand before the holy Lord God? The men of Beth Shemesh, are they the ones that yelled this out? I was just told 50,070 men of the people were just killed. How many men are left there at Beth Shemesh? How big is Beth Shemesh? Remember, seven months earlier, they just lost 30,000 men in battle. Beth Shemesh was a very small village. Where are all these men coming from? And it says, so they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, the Philistines have brought back the Ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. <laughs> hey, we want to tell you how he just killed all these people. And so that's exactly what they do. And it says, then the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. It's going to end up being there for the next 20 years, by the way. And so we look at this and we just kind of go, huh, interesting. Well, in Numbers chapter 1, it tells us this. You shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony over all its furnishings, over all the things that belong to it. They should carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. That's what the Levites are supposed to do. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to set up, the Levites shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. In Numbers chapter 4, verse 5, it says, When the camp prepares to journey, Aaron and his son shall come. They shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. The ark is to be covered when it's in transport. It's not to be uncovered. The Levites know this. The Levites know this. Verse 16 of Numbers 4, it says, The appointed duty of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, is the oil for the light, the sweet incense, the daily grain offering, the anointing oil, the oversight of all the tabernacle, of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishings. That would be the high priest, Eleazar. Samuel's now the high priest. He's the one that should be notified of what's going on here. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying in Numbers 4.17, Do not cut off the tribe of the family of the, uh, of the Kohatites from among the Levites, and do not... But do this in regard to them, that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy things. And Aaron and his son shall go in and appoint each of them to his service and task. But they shall not go in to watch while the holy things are being covered lest they die. So not only are are, uh, uh, 
the uh, rest of Israel not supposed to see it or die. But even the Kohatites, the, the, those that were also priests but did service jobs, they didn't do the other priestly duties, they weren't supposed to see it either. So here you see the men, they see it there. A Levite should have been uh, notified immediately. He should have come and covered the Ark of the Covenant immediately. The thought behind this is that as they're celebrating... And word is getting out, which is taking hours, maybe days have gone by, and celebration is taking place, and people are drinking, and quite possibly as they're drinking, someone says, hey, you want to go look at the ark? Dare you to look inside? You know, I mean, I don't know. But they looked inside. You're not even supposed to look at it. And they looked inside. Now, let me ask you, why did God strike them dead for looking inside the ark? Because I got to tell you something, I believe that it symbolically speaks to us of what happens when we go before a holy God without the blood of Jesus Christ taking away our sin. Because the ark of the covenant is the place where God resides It's called the mercy seat. The lid to the ark is the mercy seat of God. It speaks of the very presence of God. You have two cherubim on each side, and there's the presence of God. And there's a lid, and the lid is covering something. What is it covering? What's inside the ark? The law, the Ten Commandments. What does the law do? It judges us. It points to death. But it's covered by a mercy seat. What is God's mercy? Well, On the uh, Day of Atonement, you would go and you would take the blood of lambs and bulls and you would take the blood and you would sprinkle it on the mercy seat to cover the sins of Israel by the blood. When Jesus died, his blood, there's a reason why the veil was torn in two, because the priesthood doesn't need to do that anymore. Because now it's the blood of Jesus Christ that takes away the sin of mankind once for all. If you read in Hebrews, there's no more blood animal sacrifice. It's once for all. So when you remove that lid, you're removing God's provision, his mercy of blood taking away judgment. And you take that away, you're face to face with God's judgment, which means what? Death. Why would you take that away? Because the people didn't understand. You cannot look in the face of God's judgment without the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ and being sinless in his presence. He is holy, you are not. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. He's given us this gift to where now I can go boldly into his throne room, it says in Hebrews. I got bound right into the throne room. Why? Because Jesus is inside of me. I'm a child of God. He's my father. It's one of the reasons why Jesus says you can call him Abba, Father, Daddy. I've mentioned this before. I, you, you know, my kids can interrupt me at any time. When I'm studying, in my study, they can come in at any time. There's no do not disturb. Dad in deep prayer. No. They can come in at any time. They can always interrupt me. You know why? Because I can do that with my father. I can do that with my heavenly father. But here's the thing, your kids cannot. (laughs) You got that? Love your kids. They're not my kids. 
So they can't just bound into my study anytime or anything like that. No, no, no. My kids can. You know why? They're my kids. I am now a child of God. I can bound into his throne room anytime. Let nothing ever separate us. That's all we have time for today on this Monday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Listen in tomorrow as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings, On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Amen.